Welcome to Newsworthy with Norrisworthy. Get ready for some awesome. Hey friends, welcome back to the show. Today we got the first of a handful of live podcasts I've recorded out at the Pepperdine Bible Lectures. Uh, this first one is with Rain Wilson, the actor most well-known for the role he played on The Office. Rain Wilson played the character of Dwight Schrute, and he's on the podcast today thanks to our friends at Pepperdine, most notably John Barton, who actually had Rain Wilson come teach uh, with him one of his classes, which is a pretty awesome thing that Pepperdine does, uh, having John Barton bring in great people like Rain Wilson. And one of the great things that Rain Wilson and I talked about is the sponsor for this week, Podbean, an all-in-one podcast publishing and hosting platform. Podbean offers the easiest way to get started in podcasting, as well as enhanced features and monetization to take your podcast to the next level. Podbean's mobile app for Android and iOS allows podcasters to record and publish podcasts right from their phone. It's a great, simple, affordable way for churches and religious organizations to share their messages. So go check out podbean.com. Now, let me tell you about one more thing. Um, our friends over at Zondervan, Zondervan Publishing said, Hey Luke, we got a couple copies of Shauna Nequis's outstanding book, Present Over Perfect, that Shauna has autographed. And if you want a copy of one of those, um, here's a simple way to do that. Tag me. In some posts, or send me some posts that you make about Present Over Perfect and why uh, you want to read the book. And uh, I'm going to let uh, my daughters pick out two of um, the people who post, and we'll send you an autographed copy from Shauna Nequist. It's a great book. Actually, I was reading it coming home on the plane just last evening, and it's. I was reminded, this is a really good book. I'm glad that we're giving it away. So uh, post something on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, make sure I'm tagged in it or you send it to me and I will get uh, two of you copy, autographed copy. So, Podbean, the sponsor, free book from Shauna Nequist. Um, and guess what? Oh, yeah, our friend Rain Wilson doing the thing right now live from Stouffer Chapel on the beautiful campus of Pepperdine. Here we go. Is Rain here? I don't see him. He's hiding. Oh, Rain, how can we uh, welcome Rain Wilson to the stage? Keep that clock going. He's not here yet. Dramatic. Welcome. Hi. How's the crowd looking tonight from the back? You check them out? Pretty meager. Meager? Yeah. What do you think that caused that? Really, really good looking. That's the Church of Christ difference. Ah. That should be on your motto. Or do you have a flag? No. What what do you think the flag flag should look like? Do you have a... um, one of those license plate frames. Okay, I think we're onto something. Like that could be like Church of Christ, meager and, and hot, or I don't know. Meager and what hot. Would, you know, whatever your slogan. What was the slogan you wanted to put on the, on the thing? Meager and hot, I think, is okay. better than anything I had. But you're not meager. There's, there's millions of you. There's millions, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, technically, there's millions of you in the Baha'i faith. Like there's yes. six million. Yeah, something like Ish. that. Ish, yeah. Which there's, I think, the same amount of Muslims in America, and I think both of you now have surpassed the city of Detroit. Wow! So congratulations. Thank Take you. that, Detroit. Yeah. I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to get competitive with Detroit. <laughs> what? 
like if you had to match up against Detroit, the entire Baha'i faith community, right. what do you think um, would be an area of weakness against Detroit that you would have to mitigate against? Wow, that's a really complicated question. And it's got a lot of layers to it. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, that's why um, it's a podcast. But um, let me see. What, what could happen? Uh, the, you know, the Baha'is would, like, they're so peace-loving, they would just, like, hug the people of Detroit. They would. So, yeah. And, and honestly, everyone loves a hug. Yeah. Yeah. Even, even people from Michigan. How's it going? <laughs> well, okay, so you've been on campus here a few times. We're in a chapel. Is this sacrilegious to have a podcast in a chapel? Uh, truth be told, I actually work in a church. Yeah, and I do a podcast in my office pretty frequently. But this is—we're on a—we're on a. What is this? Not an altar. What is this? A uh, tile. <laughs> <laughs> nice. The old eighteen by eighteen tile makes yes. it even more holy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very. That's it's very. Uh, you want a, Roman. a pulpit? Yeah. I don't think. I mean, it could be called a pulpit if you want. Yeah. I don't know. You, you want a true story? Uh, so the church I'm a part of in Austin, Texas, we renovated our like main worship area, some called a sanctuary. Okay. And I showed up one Friday night, and the like the the techs who were like EQing all the speakers and all that had Justin Timberlake's new album, and they were booming it in there, blasting it. Huh? Yeah, they yeah. were they were rocking their, the sanctuary. Yeah, they were getting their sexy yeah. back on, right. and I walk in like, oh, pastor, I'm so sorry, and I'm like. I cannot believe you had that on because I was also listening to it in my car. So, <laughs> because sometimes you got to get your sexy back on before you preach. Sure, sure. Have you ever thought about that? Have I ever thought about the fact that one needs to get one's sexy on before one preaches? No. no. Sexy back. Oh, sexy back. No. Yeah, no. No, no, no. no. Okay. That's the first when time. Y- you came, uh, you've been on campus a few times, mm-hmm. and I saw this because it was on the Twitter. Therefore, it's true. If it's okay. on the internet, yep. therefore, it's true. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, you were in uh, John Barton's Bible class. Yep, that's right. And as a pastor, who we've got students who are coming to Pepperdine next year. My thought is, that's awesome for them to yeah. get exposed to other faiths and hear their story. And I was... That was awesome. Yeah. Well, he, uh, John Barton, who runs the religious studies department here, uh, he is really a cool dude, and he's into kind of hearing people from other faiths and uh, having his students go on field trips out to experience ceremonies and, and, and things in other, other faiths. So people will go to, you know, a Buddhist retreat center or a Muslim uh, you know, church or or whatever, mosque. And uh, so they had, uh, some of them were going to some Baha'i gatherings and I came in and kind of told my story and uh, we had a lovely time. Uh, Okay, so if people don't know much about the Baha'i faith, uh, some of the tenets of that, you have a service every 19 days? Yes. Yes. I'm ripping this off from your book. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. You can disagree with yourself. (laughs) Well, a service. Okay, so we have a gathering every 19 days, yes. You sound like a church planner, because we're like, we don't have services, we have experiences. (laughs) Nice. You would be a good church planner. You would, you'd be great at it. What would you name your church? Um, Carl. Now, if you are a real pastor, actually, if you were like a real, real pastor, uh-huh. that would stand for something. It would be right. caring, always loves Christ cr- rifles. Yeah, cr- uh, rifles. Yeah. Uh, no, that's if you were a Texas pastor. Of, of then you would talk yeah, about okay. rifles. Christ rifles. Yeah. Okay, so uh, every 19 days you have a gathering. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, daily meditation is part of 
Just your daily prayer and meditation. Yep. Mm-hmm. This is right from your book, I think. Right. Okay. No, you're... Okay, do you want me to... T- no, I'm Are just, you handing the baton? You want me to... No, tell? I'm... Give me the baton back. Okay. I want it back. You go. Yes, I am. Here you go. Take the Thank baton. Thank you for the, It's so continue. heavy. Why is it heavy? It's your podcast, man. I'm just answering the questions. You're doing great. Um, and you guys have a, uh, a 19-day kind of fast that's similar to Ramadan? That's correct. Yes. W- when in, is that? In March. March 2nd through March 19th, we have a fast... Uh, where we do not eat or drink uh, during the, when the sun is up. But when it's down... Oh, we party. You, you yeah. party it up? Yeah. We, yeah, we, get, we get crazy up crazy? in there. Crazy? Yeah. What is a crazy Baha'i fast party like? Is it's there anything just, specific? It's like In-N-Out burgers. Like, yeah. 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 No? No, but it's, it's kind of weird because you get up when you really don't feel like getting up. So you get up at 5, 5.30 in the morning, and then you eat a big breakfast, which you don't really feel like doing, but it helps you get through the day. And, uh, and then, you know, you go about your day, and uh, when the sun goes down, uh, boy, that, that, the, the, those first bites taste so good. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, I'm hungry just thinking about it. Yeah. But the fast, you know, it has a lot of spiritual reverberations besides that. I mean, there's, you know, throughout the day, you're remembering why you're fasting, you're... Uh, you know, you're connect, more connected to God. You're denying yourself something that is kind of daily physical pleasure uh, for something greater than yourself. Uh, I think there's kind of a mystical connection during a fast like that to the sun itself hmm. because you're kind of, you know, Baha'is don't worship the sun or anything like that, but metaphorically, like the sun is in the sky and crossing the sky yeah. and you're not eating or drinking when that's happening and then the sun sets and then, and then you're able to eat and drink. So you're praying and meditating in the morning before the sun comes up. There's something really powerful about that. And that's in a lot of different faith traditions. Mm-hmm. How you doing? Is that getting a good photo from there? All right. Is that your good side? Which is your... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Both are good sides. <laughs> I mean... Hi. So it's, uh, no, it's a really, uh, it's a really spiritually powerful uh, time. It also forces you to slow down because you mm-hmm. just can't keep going at the same rate. I'm going to twist my chair around a little bit Do you wanna... so I can see you better. Um, and, uh, 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 yeah, it's, uh, it's got a lot of power to it. You know, you have to slow down you, 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 and you remember why you don't have the energy that you normally had. And then you also, like, realize, like, this last fast, I was realizing, like, I eat all the time. Like, I eat, like, people will be like, you know how you, you'll have a friend, I'm like, oh, I'm starving. Like, you're not starving, dude. Like, the hunger that we feel, like, in our lives is, like, a tiniest twinge of, like, oh, maybe you could eat something. Like, yeah. like hunger takes 24 hours to, like, kick in. To like, really feel it. Yeah. yeah. So, um, it's interesting, like, it, I'll just be at home, I'll have some sunflower seeds, I'll have some... Raisin bran, oh, maybe I'll have an apple. Like, I'm just kind of, like, snacking through the day. Do you put the sunflower seeds in your raisin bran? No, I... Like, that's separately? My son gets the Trader Joe's raisin bran. Okay. okay? He puts it in yogurt in the morning. It is so... It is the best snack in the world. It's unbelievable. They also have really good pe- almond butter. Yes. I want to call it peanut butter, but it's... Almond butter, yeah. Almond I peanut butter. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, so when you're not eating the raisin bran from Trader Joe's because you're on the fast, that's uh, something you go to, of course. Um, meditation, social justice is part of the Baha'i faith. Uh, all these things that I think many go, wow, that's pretty fascinating and uh, something that actually many religions 
connect to. The idea yeah. for justice, the idea that uh, in suffering, I, I think Richard Rohr, the uh, Franciscan priest, said, um, all great spiritual traditions say that change happens through love or suffering. Wow, and so, that's great. So, so fasting is a, is a way of entering into suffering. Um, yeah, so it's this very fascinating faith. And so your book that came out, I, I guess, a year and a half ago? Yeah. The mm-hmm. Bas- the Bassoon King? King. Yeah, yeah yep. that's, that's a great It's the first title. time you've said the word bassoon, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is the absolute... It, the, I want to say that before the podcast, Luke's was like, hey, listen, man, I, 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 I don't know about drama geek and band geek, and that's my kind of vaguely Texas accent. It's like, I don't know about that stuff. <laughs> All right, I was all right. a jock. I ran track. I played football. So I'm not gonna. We're not gonna get into the geek stuff. So I didn't say the word geek. Know, I didn't say geek. I think you said geek. I'm, it was fully implied, yeah. but it wasn't said. Yeah. But I really, I, I respect your mu- musicality. Oh, um, the bassoon looks very complicated. Be- becoming on. It's you. a horrible instrument. Yeah. And do not. If anyone's listening right now, do not play the bassoon. No. But it comes from the, the phrase... It is a, it's chick repellent. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I agree. I mean, does anyone, does any lady here go, like, I gotta get myself a bassoonist? Mm-hmm. No. No. I don't think they it do. It doesn't happen. Okay. Or a Baha'i. I so, need a Baha'i bassoonist. <laughs> yum, yum. Someone's in the back going, Bahala yeah. me? Yeah, no, I don't think, no, I don't think so. The, um, we're going to fast forward through the music because I don't have... Okay. I'm really happy that you, you added to the world with your bassooning. Yeah. And we oh, appreciate thanks. that. Um, most of us know that you're an actor. Uh, mm-hmm. You started as a, you were a stage actor in New York. For, is that, am I saying it right? Stage actor acting on a... You're saying that, stage. you're pronouncing it perfectly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I went to acting school at NYU, and I, uh, I did a lot of plays for like nine or ten years in New York mm-hmm. before I did any TV or film. So it was kind of, it was kind of a strange experience. Uh, I write about that in The Bassoon King about, you know, becoming a celebrity. I was like 40 when I became a celebrity, which mm-hmm. was really weird. Uh, most celebs become you know, famous in their, in their 20s. I, and forgive me for calling myself a celebrity, but you know what I mean, recognizable for being an actor. It's I'm not really yeah. a celebrity. I'm not a Kardashian. Although, I have the ass of a Kardashian. But <laughs> that was sacrilegious. I'm in a church and I said that word. And Wait, I thought you were talking about a donkey. Because yeah. we can use oh, that. Oh, yes. If you're referring, I didn't know that there were I've farmers. Got, do you know that I have a donkey? And I also have, I have an ass. Hmm. I literally own an ass. Hmm. And her name is Chili Beans. Hmm. And I also have a zonkey. Did you know that? No, I, I didn't know that. Yeah, my, it's, I say I do. My wife did. My wife, uh, Holiday Reinhorn, uh, is, a, is a weird an- animal connoisseur. We've also got two uh, Vietnamese pot-bellied pigs that live in our backyard and sleep in our living room every night. And one of them is really mean. I want to say that Snortington is his name. He's the large one. He hisses at me if I come near his pig bed. Hmm. And they make, he has a weird clicking hiss. It is, I wonder if it's on YouTube. I need to film it. It's crazy. He's like. (laughs) Hmm. How does that make you feel? Scared. Hmm. It's a scary, threatening sound. Why, why do you feel like he needs to make that threatening sound to you? It's like an alpha male, th- male thing. Do you but need as to... a Baha'i, I just 
Do you need I to Caesar Milan that situation? I do. I do. I need some pig whispering. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you need to. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up because I wanted to talk about it. Um, now we're done. We can transition. Um, <laughs> so you, you were in New York, and in your book you tell a story about you were at a, uh, at a party, and you ended up seeing the face of God. Um, mm-hmm. There was a, uh, a party that was a little different than some of the parties that I went to in seminary. Okay. Um, it, it didn't end up so good for you from what it sounds like. Yeah, I, it was, uh, I had a, a, a mystical transcendent experience, uh, which was pretty unfortunate. There was a lot of, um, I grew up a member of the Baha'i faith, and I left it when I, was, uh, when I went off to school in New York City. I really just wanted to be a bohemian. I wanted to live a bohemian life, whatever the hell that means. I just wanted to be an artist and, and do what artists do when they live in Greenwich Village in New York City and wear berets and smoke cigarettes or whatever it is they do. And uh, uh, so I left my faith behind, and, um, and part of that was a rebellion against my parents. Uh, part of it is a natural thing that I think a lot of people in their 20s do where they need to kind of find themselves. And, you know, unfortunately, it kind of led me down a road with a lot of drug and alcohol uh, use and abuse uh, for a while, which is an age-old story. But I did, I got really um, stoned on Christmas morning, which is fitting that we're in a church talking about this. And it was, we, I was living in, a, in an abandoned beer brewery in uh, Williamsburg, Brooklyn, with no heat and no bathroom and rats. And, um, and a guard dog downstairs, and right? A, and a guard dog held by a chain um, that you had to, like, it was literally like a hair, an episode of Harry Potter. You had to kind of sneak around it just mm-hmm. the, at the outskirts of the circumference of its chain to get into the loft. And, uh, but it was rent-free, and that's why I was there. And I had a total <laughs> freak-out on, uh, on this marijuana. Maybe it was laced with something. I don't know, but... I started sweating. My heart was palpitating like I was hallucinating. And my friend, uh, John, was on the phone downstairs. And I was like yelling at him. I was like, John, John. And he thought I was joking around. So he was laughing. Hmm. And I was like, John, get up here. And he was laughing and laughing. So I, there were these lit candles. So I started throwing these lit candles at him. And they were shatter. And then they caught, there was, we had a pile of garbage in the corner that caught on fire. Hmm. And then he knew like something was seriously up. But Hold on, was, how many candles did you throw at him before he realized something was up? I think like it was the third candle that yeah. he got. Because the first one's always like a warning candle. The, exactly, yeah. But at first he was like, what's that broken glass? And the second one is like, did he throw something at me? And the third one is like, holy, I'm, I'm not going to swear in here. Um, <laughs> He, he just caught this garbage on fire. This is crazy. Mm-hmm. So he stomped it out and came up. And I really, uh, I really did see the face of God, and I swore to the face of God that I would never smoke pot again. So it was a, it was a really strange experience. I don't know if you've ever seen a Mark Rothko uh, painting. Have you been to the Rothko Chapel in Houston? I haven't got that invitation. Yeah, you should, you should check it out. It's a beautiful chapel, much like this, and the abstract expressionist artist Marth Roth, Mark Rothko did... Uh, murals all over it. It was really beautiful. But it was, um, it just was this kind of like horizon, uh, golden sunset, uh, beautiful, luminescent. Like, it was just, the only way to describe it was just like this vast horizon, almost like on, a, on another planet or something, like Tatooine or something like that. And, and I was like, 
there wasn't an actual face. It wasn't like eyes and nose and stuff like that. And I was like, in my head, I was like, holy, that's the face of God. And I was really like, I'm not going to smoke pot anymore. And I haven't smoked pot since then. And it was, it was pretty freaky. But it was pretty profound, too. So as you describe your faith journey in your book, you said that one of the things that connected you back to faith was actually a Native American deity, mm-hmm. which was different than the Baha'i faith that you grew up in. Yeah, I mean, the Baha'i faith has a concept of God much like many of the other world's faiths. In fact, in fact you know, Baha'is really do believe and love Jesus Christ. We read the Bible at our, at our gatherings. Um, we... Uh, believe in the divinity of the Christ. We also believe in the divinity of other spiritual teachers like Muhammad and the Buddha and Abraham and Moses and, and, and many others. And uh, so uh, what were we talking about? I just lost my train of thought. Oh, so yes. So the Baha'i, the Baha'i concept of God is very similar to a lot of other Abrahamic religions in that um, it's not a fire and brimstone God. It's an all-loving, creative force in this universe and beyond this universe and countless other universes uh, that is all-loving and all-creative and all-giving all and all-knowing. And that's the God I grew up in. I didn't grow up with a fire and brimstone God, but for, for whatever reason in my time of rebellion, I really needed to uh, become an atheist. I really needed to discard all that. Uh, I, I would say maybe I wasn't an atheist. I was like an extreme agnostic. Okay. And, um, and so I, but the, the, the thing that happened with me is I, I was living my dreams. I was living in Brooklyn. I had a beautiful girlfriend who's now my wife. We've been together for a very long time, 20 some years. And uh, I was working as an actor. And this was beyond my wildest dreams. I was um, working with great directors. I had a wonderful group of friends. We had a rent-controlled apartment, which was amazing. And yet, I was very unhappy in my life. And uh, that's what kind of got me thinking about God. Because then I thought, well, maybe I was a little rash to kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater and, and get rid of God uh, altogether. Maybe there's some truth there yeah. um, that I needed to find for myself. So I started reading the world's holy books. And I read the Bible and I read the Quran and the Bhagavad Gita and the writings of the Buddha. And I really went on a deep dive. Like, if there is a God, uh, I want to discover him or her or whatever it is for myself and see, just find the truth for myself. And that's when when things really opened up for me is what you referenced is I was reading some Native American um, spirituality books. And I was reading about the god of the Lakota Sioux called uh, Wakantanka. And uh, Wakantanka literally means the great mystery. Hmm. And as an artist, as someone who wanted to just make beautiful and important and creative and crazy works of art, that, was really, that really resonated for me, the great yeah. mystery. Um, it wasn't a father. It wasn't a daddy figure like Santa Claus keeping a list of who's naughty and nice and looking down on us. But it was... Uh, something much more powerful and much more connected to earth and nature in the Lakota tradition where uh, God is, uh, uh, you know, the God of our ancestors, the God of animals, the God of plants, the God of the winds, the God of the directions. And, uh, and, and all of a sudden I had kind of an awakening inside. I had a stirring, a spiritual stirring inside of myself. Like, oh, this is, that's a God I can, I can get with. I could, 
I don't know if I can believe in God right now, but I can believe in Wakantanka. So I yeah. spent a couple years just in that place. And then it, it progressed more to working back to the faith of your youth. Yes. It, so part of the books that I then read after that was I went back and started rereading Baha'i books, which, of course, I don't know if young Christians can relate, but as a young Baha'i, I grew up in the Baha'i faith, and I certainly knew some Baha'i quotes and Baha'i stories and stuff, but I hadn't done a deep dive into the actual writings of Baha'u'llah, who is the uh, prophet founder of the Baha'i faith. So it was an opportunity for me to actually read the core materials, like really dive into, into it. it. And I, I, do you think, as, do Christians have that issue? Sometimes you grow up in the church, but you haven't actually really read the Bible or really studied the Bible? Or Yeah, obviously that's the experience of some where they grow up and the faith is just their parents. And so this is where I'm supposed to go on Sunday mornings. And this is what I'm supposed to say, uh, I believe in. And then uh, they eventually either walk away from faith or they personalize it and make it their own. Uh, some also have uh, a journey where they, they grew up in a kind of faith that eventually doesn't work for them, and they had things that they expected God to be and how God was supposed to work, and then they see the world and it goes, this doesn't make sense. Right, it doesn't and match then, up. And then it, they have a deconstruction, mm-hmm. and that's not working, and then either they walk away from faith or they find a way to reconstruct a faith that is folding in all the experiences and all the things that they're understanding about the world. Mm. Um, and so I think that's that order, disorder, reorientation, or that construction, deconstruction, reconstruction is almost like a universal. It's almost like um, uh, Joseph Campbell's monomyth yeah. kind of stuff where the hero's journey. Like yeah. that's just, that's humanity. That's, it that's, is. that's yeah. what we all go through. And it, uh, that's very well said. And uh, I agree completely. And what was interesting to me is when I was really exploring the Baha'i faith, one of the central teachings of the Baha'i faith is the independent investigation of truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, every human has the responsibility, the obligation to find the truth for themselves, to not just inherit the truth of their parents, um, and to not inherit the truth of the society around them, because society around us has some crazy ideas about what is true, mm-hmm. like, like cool stuff can make you happy. You know, if you kind of believe, yeah. uh, if you believe the truth of society, that's what you, you would buy that. And yeah. that, you know, status uh, over someone else will make you feel okay uh, or feel better about yourself yeah. or something like that. So it, it's really important for, for all of us, I think, to, to find the truth for ourselves. So it was interesting to see that that central teaching in the faith was um, one that I had actually undergone yeah. uh, and spent 10 or 12 years going through. Yeah. So in your book, you described you were making your way back towards faith. And then you said that part of the reason that you went back to this faith wasn't just because it was your parents' faith or what you grew up in, but because you found this one uh, word you used were like, this was the most advanced or this was the one. It, it made the most sense to It made you. the most sense, yeah. And there's so much about the Baha'i faith that does make sense. Uh-huh. The, the concern for justice, um, the idea of welcoming and embracing all people. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it it seems that uh, that makes so much sense to so many people, Mm -hmm. Um, the idea of welcoming and embracing. And as you just said a second ago, you're a, you'd say you follower of Jesus. What language did you use? Baha'is believe in the divinity of Jesus Christ. Okay. So 
And, and as you're trying to incorporate all of these different manifestations, is that mm-hmm. the language you guys use? The, the idea yeah, that so every... Yes, the Baha'is use the word manifestation instead of like prophet. So um, that these divine teachers come down. It's a, it's a concept called progressive revelation. Mm-hmm. So how does God spiritually educate humanity? He this does podcast. this by... <laughs> besides the podcast. Okay. Um, every 500 or 1,000 years or some or so like that, a special divine teacher, Baha'is call them manifestations of God, mm-hmm. are God-made flesh that hold a special station above mm-hmm. humans, come down to kind of gradually unfold God's message. Um, so if you look at the religions that rose up around them, you'll see a lot of differences. But if you look at the words of Krishna or the Buddha or Abraham or Moses or Jesus or Muhammad, uh, and now Baha'u'llah, the words themselves are totally similar. They're hmm. essentially the same message. So, I can't ever say his name correctly. Baha'u'llah. Close. Thanks. Yes. Okay, so it was 1863. He was in prison in Tehran, and yeah. he has this uh, enlightenment. I don't... Yeah, so he was uh, part of a movement called the Babi movement that was... Uh, looking at the kind of the coming Messiah. There was a messianic movement that was happening all over the world uh, in many different religious faiths. There was the Protestant movement and in Jesus in the Jewish faith and in the Muslim faith. And he was imprisoned, and in prison he had essentially like Jesus and the dove being baptized. Yeah. He had a, a, a vision. Uh, there are some incredibly beautiful writings that he wrote um, uh, I'm going to misquote them, but one was like, lo, I was a, a man upon, asleep upon my couch when uh, it's, uh, it, now I'm forgetting it, but it's like the, the, the light of the Lord came upon me mm-hmm. and I saw uh, the history of all that, ever, all that was and all that will be. Mm-hmm. And he um, knew that he had a special station and uh, announced his mission uh, later on, a few years later than that, and spent his entire life kind of being tortured and uh, banished from country to country, and um, the, yeah, the, the Muslim authorities did not like that one bit. Yeah, that, that's not always a very nice way to treat people. But these divine manifestations always suffer in bringing their message. Yeah. So how... Uh, so you and John have become friends. Uh, John obviously is... John Krasinski? From The Office? You know what, you say that and people are like, oh, tell me more about The Office. <laughs> this Jesus Baha'i stuff. Don't um, tempt them. I know, I know. Forget that. Strike that. Edit that out. He's the worst. John, John, the guy in the... Barton. In, okay, yes, okay. Yeah, the guy okay. who introduced us. Because John was the guy I threw the candles at. Oh, it was. Yeah, so I was... <clears throat> was that the same John? I did not throw the candles at John Barton. <laughs> at, at Dr. Reverend John Barton. No. Do you feel like that might be something that happens in the future? Is that sure, something to do it to a lot happen. of I think it, may, it may. It may happen. Do you if feel he like... ropes me into another one of these events. Oh. Hey, don't worry. After what you just said, I'm probably going to be fired from my job anyway. So um, where are we going with this? I don't remember where I was going with that. Let's talk about uh, the intersection of creativity and spirituality. Mm-hmm. Uh, you talk about in your book, um, another gentleman from the office, Ed Helms. Yep. No, Helm? Yep, Helm? just Helms. Helm? Yep. Helms. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were telling him about uh, Soul Pancake. Yep. And you were talking about the intersection of spirituality and creativity. And he said, 
those things don't seem to go together. Yeah, they seem mutually exclusive. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you think so many people feel that way? Yeah, and what he said, to be fair to Ed, who's a super sweet, smart guy, spiritual guy, um, in society, creativity and faith seem to be completely separate. In a way, like science and faith are very separate, that they're put in these very separate boxes. And uh, one of the things I discovered in my journey back to the Baha'i faith were some really beautiful Baha'i writings about how being an artist is... Uh, expressing art is the same thing as expressing faith. It's the same thing as expressing devotion. Mm-hmm. So uh, Abdu'l-Bahá, who was Baha'u'lláh's son, who was the center of the Baha'i faith for many years, had a quote to a, had a, quote to a young artist saying, um, when thou movest the paintbrush, it is as, as twere thou were in prayer at the temple, mm-hmm. in the temple. Um, that is to say that when you're making something, you're emulating the creator. You have a blank page, yeah. and then there's a poem or a painting on it or a, a song that you've written. Um, just like God had this you know, tapestry of this empty universe and created you know, the Big Bang and all of this incredible yeah. wonder and beauty and, and splendor and all of the, think of all the different planets and solar systems and what must be on them. And as an artist, you're, you're emulating that act. And there's something really beautiful and, and spiritually transcendent about that. Yeah. So, so God is the creator. And whenever you create, you're imitating yes. the creator. So you're, you're entering into this like, divine flow. Of, and it's one of the gifts that God has given us, yeah. is the ability to create. Okay. So what everyone wants to know is, how is Dwight <laughs> worshiping? How, how is, like, help us to connect the dots on right. your... In- character you, you 200 plus episodes being this right. guy how did you see that um to take the, you have more podcast episodes than there are office episodes by the way i'm assuming the royalty checks i get for my advertisement <laughs> is not comparable though do you have some really embarrassing advertisements on your podcast sometimes no i think like podbean Dr. and all shoals shoe inserts no podbean and all in one podcast hosting publishing network we, that's not embarrassing. I'm proud to be connected to okay, them. Okay, there you go. Especially when those nice checks plug. come in the mail. Well done. Yeah, thank well you. Done. I'm a professional. Okay, but when you're uh, having your keys put in Jello uh, by uh-huh. Stapler. Jim Stapler, Stapler. Yeah, yeah. Um, whoa, wow. Like I can mess up Jesus and won't get that response. Uh, you mess up Dwight. Okay, help us connect the dots on that. Um, when that's in, in Jello and you're entertaining the world, you're making people laugh, how do you see that as worship? Well, you know, hmm, it's not quite so black and white. I think that some art is just for entertainment and is decorative and it isn't, uh, uh, it isn't as pure as it could be. So that, I want to say that, number one. Number two is... Um, I have a God-given ability to play weird characters that are funny and strange. And uh, I love doing it, and it's a lot of fun, and uh, I, I, get to, I get to do it. And I've done it ever since I was a kid. I played just weird characters yeah. at the dinner table. So I get to do that, number one. Um, I think there is something really uh, profound about what an actor does. Actors get a bad rap, and rightfully so, because most of them are... I really want to swear in here, but I'm not going to swear. The acoustics would make it really amazing yeah, but to not swear. So most, most actors are complete, you know, and... I don't know. Yeah. 
But uh, you, it's I'm a not be- going to say it. But I will say there is something really amazing when you see a great performance, when you see an actor transform themselves to become a character and to help tell a story, and you witness the all of humanity uh, expressing on their face and uh, in their humor and in their physicality and in their history, and it can be really transformative and it transports you when you're watching it when yeah. it's great. So I think there's something transcendent and divine about the craft of an actor, just like the craft of a musician or a, or a poet or a dancer. Um, I think that for me, uh, the service of doing Dwight, I mean, it was just really super fun, and, and, but the service is I hear all the time from people, and now that it's kind of living on Netflix and, and everyone and their mother is watching it and rewatching it, which is fantastic... Uh, I always hear, like, you know, my brother was dying from cancer, and we would stay in the hospital bed, and we would watch the office, and we would just laugh together. And your show meant so much to me. I was going through the hardest time, and I really needed to laugh. And you hear that time and time again. Like, our family was really disunited, but we would always gather on Thursday nights, and we would watch the office together. Mm -hmm. And it was the only show that the grandma and the dad and the sons and kids could all watch at the same time. And so I think there's... Uh, I was fortunate to be a part of a really high-quality show that was able to entertain and make laugh, but also had really human characters that people related to, and it was kind of like a it was like a wonderful dysfunctional family. Yeah, one of the beautiful things I think about it is it creates community and it, it brings people together. Mm-hmm. And I think to in the Genesis creation story, Genesis 1, God creates and says it's good. And I think there's something about enjoying the goodness of God's creation is seen in humor and, and smiling and laughing. I feel mm-hmm. like that reflects the beauty of the world that God has given us. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the ways that beauty brings us together is that, like you just said, people sit down and watch the show together. Uh, about eight or nine years ago, I was working at this church. Um, I was on staff and I was about to go start another one. And so it was a big staff and we would sometimes get together and watch uh, the office uh, as the whole group. And one time we got the senior pastor to show up and we were watching it and it was, we were so excited. Oh, this is going to be awesome. There's three or four young families. And then the, like the, the big dog shows up <laughs> and it was the gay witch hunt episode. And I was like, Oh, um, okay. This is, yeah, it was not my idea. Um, so thanks for that. That was, that was a real right, special right. moment for me. How did it go over? Uh, I mean, I had to leave the church in a few months, but okay. <laughs> uh, uh, that was part of the plan. But isn't that, like, I can't think of a, a bigger gift that an artist can create than to give something that brings people together, that creates joy and laughter. And so I, I think be able to fuse those things together in the same way that we need to be able to fuse together science and religion, creativity mm-hmm. and religion, like we're... And, and the most important thing in the Baha'i faith, uh, and I believe in the true Christian faith is service and service to others. And if you are creative, if you're entertaining someone, if you're transporting their heart with, with music and song, if you're uh, making them ponder their lives with poetry, if you're making them laugh with acting, whatever it is, you're doing a service for that person. So besides being a creator and emulating the creator, that's another aspect of art that it, it, it can be... It can be incredibly self-indulgent and um, materialistic and wrong-headed as well. Don't get me wrong, but when it's at its most pure, it really is service to the people that are witnessing it. Yeah. Okay, you said that uh, one of the insights 
that you learned in your acting is the importance of listening to the actual character next to you. And you talked about the one of the worst traits is indicating, which I have no clue what that even means. Okay. Um, but I, I love the idea that to really to tell your story well, you don't just know your lines, but you're actually listening and engaging mm-hmm. with the people right in front of you. Now, I, I know one of the tenets of your religion is that there aren't any clergy, mm-hmm. um, which, like, I don't like that because that's kind of my job. <laughs> Find so that a little threatening. We're going to ignore that, okay? okay. Just because I, you know, I've got three kids. Okay. Yeah. You got mouths to feed? I've got lots of them. So get a real job, okay? <laughs> mm. So mm. there's a Kroger's hiring. You know, you know it's and, bad uh, when a guy who talks about beats for a living is telling me that I need to get a <laughs> real job. A... That <laughs> exactly. is, that's, okay. How, um, so if, if an actor doesn't need to indicate, you've seen sermons. No, indicating is, you know, if you're like, for those watching here in the pews if if you're if you are playing a scene and you're like get out of here and you're supposed to be really angry so you can you can indicate like get out of here you know like you're you're faking it and Mm -hmm. you're showing the camera or the audience that you're angry and is different than really feeling the anger of the character and asking someone to get out motivating it internally so it's kind of external versus internal that's that's what we're talking about little acting lesson boom so you've seen preachers. You saw one tonight. Yes. Uh, you've, you've probably seen other yes. Christian mm-hmm. preachers. Yeah. Uh, any notes for them? As, as someone who's a professional, in, in a way, you're telling stories. They're telling stories. What do you think the big sin for them is? Not literal sin, but... The big sin for them? No, I, just get past the word sin here. Well, I think that what I would look for in, in a sermon, in a, in a good sermon, is... Uh, Quotes from and by Jesus. Remember him? Yeah. And um, yeah. maybe a little Peter and Paul and, and Luke, a few other apostles. But really quotes Luke's from Jesus, what Jesus said, what Jesus did. And then it's always better to personalize it. It's always better to say, here's what I went through. Here's how it relates to this quote. And here's what I learned in going through this process. So those would be a couple of things that I would say. I, I don't, it's not like I haven't heard preachers do that before, but I think that's always going to be, if you can bring the word of God and you can relate it to your personal life, it's going to carry the message much more effectively. Boom. That was, that was pretty good. I, I think you should try it sometime. Maybe John will get you a, a chapel date and you could preach sure. a sermon. Think we can make that happen? Sarah? Sarah? Yeah. Well, uh, let's uh, thank Rain for being here. Hey, hey. Uh, Can I tell you one more thing as we close? Yes. Uh, Patricia is your mother's name. Yeah. You want to know what my mom's name is? Patricia? No, it's not. Uh, Actually, it is. It is Patricia. Okay. But your mom legally changed her name. To Shay. To yeah. Shay. Yeah. My mom has gone by Pat. Pat or Patty. Trish. Yeah. But she's also gone by Dusty. What is it about people <laughs> with the name Trisha or Patricia that yeah. makes them want to change their name? It's a terrible name. It's a, just a terrible name. Do we have any Patricias here tonight? No, that's all the Patricias that are leaving right now. Patty. They're like, they're like oh, get me out of here. Yeah. Patty, Pat, Trish, Trisha. Tishy, tushy, dusty, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it. It's just, it's I'm sure terrible. they're all envious. They were like, yeah. I wish I could be 
Yeah. Rain. Yeah, that's, that's, rain is no cakewalk either, believe me. <laughs> I was tortured as a, as a child, obviously. That's how I drew upon the, the pain that, that, that it was expressed through Dwight Schrute. Well, I'm glad you felt that pain to share it with the rest hey, of the world. Hey, thanks for having me, Luke. All right. Appreciate it. All right. All right, friends, hope you enjoyed that with Rain Wilson. Don't forget to check out Podbean and All in One podcast publishing and hosting platform an outstanding simple affordable way for churches and religious organizations and leaders to share their messages with the podbean app sermons or teachings can be recorded and published directly from your phone so check that out also if you wanted a copy of present over perfect by sean aniquis post something online let me know why make sure you tag it in tag me in that and who knows you might just get an autographed copy from Sean in the mail. Thanks All right, for checking out Newsworthy with Norsworthy. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. We'll see you back here next time.